Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And Proverbs 5.5, 5, Proverbs 5.5, 5, her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. And Proverbs 7.27, Proverbs 7.27, her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Boy, this couldn't have been written any better by Edgar Allan Poe, this is really something, you know. Proverbs 2.18, Proverbs 2.18, her house inclineth unto death her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. Now, these are some really frightful descriptions when you have words like inclineth unto death and paths unto the dead, and none return again, and neither take they hold of the paths of life. So those are all describing this very, very, very terrible. And there's just something, I don't know what it is, but there's something about sexual sins that makes a person's heart very hard to be reached by the gospel. It's, I don't know why. But there's something, when a person gets involved in this, their heart gets very hard, and it's like they said, neither take their hold of the paths of life. But it all starts with a look and lust. And then it becomes an addiction that results in a man not being able to look at a woman without lusting. And this description is described for us in 2 Peter 2.14, 2 Peter 2.14, where it says, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. That's why Job made a covenant with his eyes. Because the road downward all starts with the eyes. The road to adultery started with David's eyes in 2 Samuel 11.2. 2 Samuel 11.2. It came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. He saw a woman. This is the road to destruction clearly over and over again with Samson. It all started with his eyes in Judges 14.1. Judges 14.1, Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Samson saw a woman in Timnath. Judges 16.1, Judges 16.1. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there an harlot and went in unto her. Samson saw there an harlot. You know, in Germany, prostitution is legal as it's also legal in Israel. I never call it the Holy Land. Anyway, I remember one time landing at Frankfurt Airport in the 1980s and I was tired, you know, flying a long time overnight and all that. And pornography was being advertised on the walls at the airport there as the passengers walked by. 
And I thought, you know, I don't want to deal with this. So I took my glasses off, which makes me practically blind. <laughs> I'm surprised. And I walked down there. I denied my eyes access. And when a man is tired, his defenses are down. And when a man is drunk with alcohol, his defenses are down, and he's vulnerable to this sin. And that's what's warned about in Proverbs 23.31, Proverbs 23.31, where it says, Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself. At the last, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. See, thine eyes shall behold strange women. But in this case, in verse 7, when it says in verse 7 that his master's eyes cast, his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, you know, when it says that, she was actually using her eyes as debate. And she was trying to catch Joseph to look at her. And this is what's said in Proverbs 6.25, Proverbs 6.25, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. I don't know how you do that. Uh, bedroom eyes, I don't know. But anyway, Potiphar's wife used her eyes to try to engage Joseph in a glance. Her eyes were her lure. Now, we see Potiphar's wife's invitation was to commit adultery. But notice, she does not refer to this act that God would refer to it as. She doesn't say, commit adultery with me. (laughs) She just says, just simply in verse 7, lie with me. You know, it sounds so inoffensive, you know? I mean, it, it doesn't sound so distasteful. I mean, lie with me. Take a rest. And that was her invitation. You know, it's like, children, let's play house together. Like, We're both tired. Let's just lie down next to each other. I mean, the invitation to sin never portrays sin for what it really is. The invitation to commit these sexual sins is never according to how God refers to these sexual sins in Scripture like we've just seen. It's strange, you know, that he didn't say something along the lines of Matthew 5.29. He didn't say, let's have our bodies cast into hell. (laughs) No, she just said in a childlike manner, come on, let's just lie down together. It's odd she didn't talk about, she didn't describe it like Proverbs 9.18, Proverbs 9.18. She didn't say, let's go to where the dead are. Let's go down to the depths of hell. Sounds like fun, right? No, she just said in a playful manner, let's lie together. wonder why she didn't say, she didn't refer to it as Proverbs 5.5 refers to it. And she didn't say, Let's have our feet go down to death. Let's have our steps take hold on hell. No, she just innocently said, don't be a prude. Just lie down with me. And she didn't refer to it like Proverbs 7.27, Proverbs 7.27. She shouldn't say something like, let me take you to the way to hell. Come with me to the chambers of death. No, not at all. She just winked at him with mischievous eyes, and she simply said, let's have some fun. Let's lie together. Lie with me. She wasn't talking the language of Proverbs 2.18, Proverbs 2.18. She didn't say, let's incline ourselves to death. Let's get on the path that leads to the dead. Let's go down the road that no one ever returns from. Let's give up ever taking hold of the paths of life again. Let's make death permanent for us. She didn't say that. 
just wanted to suggest, let's have a little naughty play. Let's play. You be the playboy. I'm so white. I'll be a bunny. I'll be the playboy bunny. And so that's what she was saying. Come on, Joey, stop being so serious. Have a little fun. You only live once. You don't know. You don't know what you're missing. You know, you don't know what you're missing. I can delight you. I can make you laugh. So this seeming sweet invitation is the same seeming sweet invitation of the adulterous woman in Proverbs 7.18, in Proverbs 7.18, where she said, come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. Now, when she said, let us take our fill of love until the morning, when she used the word fill, she is referring to hunger. And so she's saying, I know what you're hungry for. You're hungry for the same thing I'm hungry for, love. And we can fill ourselves. So let us take our fill of loves until the morning. And when she used the word solace, she was referring to the feeling of being hurt. I know that you've been hurt. And so she's saying, I know you feel hurt. I'm feeling hurt also. We can comfort each other. Let us solace ourselves with loves. So she uses this innocent word, love, loves, to refer to adultery. Like Potiphar's wife uses the innocent words of lie with me. So all this talk of love and lie with me, and it's effective. It's very effective because it says in Proverbs 7.21, Proverbs 7.21, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield with the flattering of her lips. She forced him. He goeth after her straight away as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not it is for his life. See, all this innocent talk of love and loves and solace and lie with me, that's what the Bible calls much fair speech. And this much fair speech hides the deadly sin of adultery. And when we see her saying, lie with me, we see how sin always masks itself in life and never reveals itself for the death that it is. So in verse 7, we see Potiphar's wife using this much fair speech when she says, lie with me. But it really was much because that's not all. Because at the end of verse 10, is that only referring to what she said in verse 7, lie with me? What does it say at the end of verse 7? He hearkened what? Not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. Oh, so verse 10 now says that Joseph was refusing to lie by her or to be with her. What does that show? That shows Potiphar's wife. She had more in her much fair speech than just the lie with me. This shows that what she's done is that she said, okay, Joey, you won't lie with me. Lie by me. Just lie by me. Lie by me. I don't need you to lie with me. Just lie by me. That's all. See, much fair speech. And that shows how she said, okay, Joey. Okay, fine. You won't lie with me. You won't lie by me. Just be with me. Just be with me. I'm only asking you to be with me. See, this is all the much fair speech of Proverbs 7.21. That's why we see she says, lie, lie with me. And then he says, I won't lie with you. I won't lie by you. I won't be with you. 
And now we come to verse 8, which is Joseph's response to all this invitation, which are three simple words, great words, but he refused. Oh, man. That's the most important words that Joseph lived his life, but he refused. You know, when we get to heaven, we got to all go up to Joseph. Okay, let's remember this. We're all going to go up to Joseph, and we're going to say, yeah, you know, Mission Valley Chapel, I read all about your life, and I read about your life at home. I read about how great you were, Joseph, when Jacob, your father, favored you above your brothers. I read about how great it was for you when that coat of many colors was on you. I read about how great it was for you when you had those prophetic dreams. I read about how great it was for you when everything prospered in Potiphar's house. I read about how great it was for you when it prospered in the prison. And I read about how you interpreted those dreams in prison. That was great. I read about how you interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. That was great. I read about how you saved Egypt from starvation. That was great. I read about how you reconciled your brothers and took care of them. That was great. That was all great. But the greatest thing I read about you are those three words in verse 8. But he refused. That was the greatest. That was your greatest accomplishment. You became an overcomer when you resisted sin. So for all the great achievements in Joseph's life, it's these three words, but he refused, that stand out above everything else, that this man who became the most powerful man in the world achieved his life, but he refused. That made Joseph an overcomer. And if there's one aspect in Joseph's life that we should follow, these three words, but he refused. He refused. It shows us that when it came to sexual sins, God left him alone and to see what his decision would make. And his decision was he refused. Wasn't easy for him. Was not easy for Joseph. He had a lot of pressure on him. He was a young man, 20 years old probably, natural desires, no wife. Here's this sexy, exotic Egyptian woman. He's far from home. He's alone in the house with her. This is a very hot trial for Joseph. And and he's in a position of power. He's good looking. And he's in Egypt, the center of immorality. And if you doubt that, read the history of Cleopatra. I mean, these sins were common among the Egyptians, like it is today in our culture. And it wasn't just one time. She kept it up. In verse 10, she spake to Joseph day by day. This day by day is like the devil trying to wear him down. Like the devil says in Daniel 7.25, Daniel 7.25, and he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Potiphar's wife was trying to wear out Joseph. She tried to wear Joseph down. She waged this long battle to wear him down. Day after day, she unceasingly made this invitation to Joseph to just have a little secret between them, just a little fun behind closed doors. Day after day, his response was, buddy refused, buddy refused, buddy refused. That's the greatness of Joseph. He resisted sin. Oh, how we wish we could read that. Those three words about King David, about King Solomon, about Samson, about the children of Israel when the sexy Moabite women arrived to visit the camp. So many great men did not refuse, but Joseph, he refused, but he refused. How? How was he able to refuse? He refused because he knew the benefits of keeping his heart clean from sin. As the Lord said in Matthew 5, 8, Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. That's a promise. 
Hebrews 12, 14, Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. That's a promise. Joseph wanted to see God, so he refused. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4, which was read to us in the breaking of the bread this morning. Proverbs 24, 3. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, not lifted up his soul to vanity. Joseph wanted to stand in God's holy place, so he refused. Psalm 73, 1. Psalm 73, 1. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Joseph wanted God to be good to him, so he refused. Proverbs 22, 11. Proverbs 22, 11. He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. Most of all, Joseph wanted God to be his friend, so he refused. See, these are all promises, all promises. These are all promises to see God and to stand before in God's place and to be God's friend. And all these are the promises that we have. We have these promises too. And if we've sinned, we have sinned, then it's these promises that drive us, that give us the motivation to cleanse ourselves, cleanse ourselves through confession to the Lord Jesus Christ and forsaking. That's what it means in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. James 4.8, James 4.8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So Joseph was able to do this. He resisted and he refused because even though he's far away from home, even though he's alone in the house with Potiphar's wife, even though this alone factor, he never saw himself alone. He never saw himself far from God. He never saw just two people in the house. Just him, He never saw just himself and Potiphar's wife. He always saw God. He always saw there were at least three. He always had in mind the theme of Psalm 139, the theme of Psalm 139. Psalm 139, 7 says, Whither shall I go from thy presence? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of morning, dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me, turn the lights out, he can't see. Even the night shall be light unto me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth the day. Joseph refused to believe that he was alone. He refused and he overcame sin by walking in the presence of an all-seeing God. He refused and overcame sin by remaining firm and resolute and not allowing himself to have a lapse of weakness. He refused and he overcame the sin by using the word, which he did, to state that adultery was a great wickedness and sin against God. And finally, he refused and he overcame sin by being willing to cost him. As he fled from sin, it cost him his garment. It cost him more. He would have done it if it cost him his life. So he was tempted to sin, very severely tempted to sin. And there's no one in this room who has not been tempted to sin. And Joseph did not sin, and there's no one in this room 
that God has not provided help for to not sin. As it says in Hebrews 2.18, Hebrews 2.18, for in that he himself also has suffered being tempted, he's able to succor, he's able to help them that are tempted. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, 1 Corinthians 10.13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God cares about us. He cares about us being able to resist sin. And so for us, it's written about Joseph, but he refused. And that's why God is in the business of helping us to not sin. As it says in 1 Samuel 2.9, 1 Samuel 2.9, he will keep the feet of his saints. In Psalms 37, Psalm 37.23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. We have the times of though he fall. We have those times. But those are the times when we need to reach out our hand to God for him to help us to get up again. And there's no one in this room that has not sinned and has not felt the pain of a guilty conscience that sin brings. And there's no one in this room that God has not helped by making a way for sinners to cleanse their souls and have their consciences purged or cleansed. As it says in 1 John 1, 7, 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Hebrews 9.14, how much more? Hebrews 9.14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The blood of Christ purge your conscience. Every person in this room is so loved by God that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is offered to forgive and to cleanse sin. As it says in Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5, unto him who loved us and cleansed us from our sins in his own blood. There's not a person in this world, there's not a person in the world that the fountain has not been opened to that's described in Zechariah 13.1, Zechariah 13.1. And that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Inhabitants of Jerusalem. Remember I told you Israel has legal prostitution. It's called spiritual Sodom and Gomorrah in Revelation. So here comes a fountain. It's going to be open to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. The hymn says, there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for caring for us so much to make it possible for us to do what Joseph did and refuse sin. And then if we have tragically sinned, thank you for making a way, Lord, for us to be forgiven and cleansed. We thank you, Lord, for caring for us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Come meet Pam Tebow, Tim Tebow's mom, on Friday, August 4th and Saturday, August 5th at the Educate for Life Homeschool Conference presented by the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Pam Tebow will be speaking on homeschooling her five children, including Tim Tebow and will worship with the musician and singer Michael Sanchez from The Voice. And hear from special speakers Kevin Conover from Educate for Life, Pat Roy, formerly of Jonathan Park, and CEO Tom Canner, president of the First Creation Museum and Friendship with God Bible radio teacher. Cost for the event is only $15 per day, and enjoy a Chick-fil-A lunch and fellowship with other homeschoolers. So invite your friends and register today for the Educate for Life Homeschool Conference with Pam Tebow at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California on Friday, August 4th and Saturday, August 5th. Call us at 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or visit creationsd.org. That's creationsd.org. 